Well, hello, my lovelies, and how are we all doing this evening? We've got some very spooky tales here at Deadly Debbie's residence to share with you all, starting with this one. Have you ever been out in the woods and spotted something that seemed human, or maybe not? I'm a hunter. I like to hunt wild boar specifically. Though I have never been deer hunting and have been known to get a turkey for Thanksgiving, I mostly hunt boar. For those of you that don't know, boar are a big problem in the United States. A sow can have two litters a year and it's not uncommon for a litter to consist of ten or more pigs. Given that pigs eat anything and everything, it's not hard to see why the Department of Fish and Wildlife make it legal to hunt them with almost no restrictions. In my state, it's illegal to hunt most large mammals with night or thermal vision scopes, with the exception of boar and coyote. I've been saving for a year, mostly fun money. It's hard to explain to your wife that a scope that costs literally twice as much as the rifle I was mounting it on was worth it. But I did it. I took it to a range and sighted it in. There was an area that was prepped with boar activity that I knew would be perfect for a night hunt. It was easily accessible with my truck, with easy-to-find spots that I could set up in that overlooked a large, easy-to-navigate clearing. The night started uneventful, mostly me tinkering with my new toy, cycling through the settings. I was a little impatient. I'd spotted multiple deer, but they were out of season, and like I mentioned earlier, My current setup wasn't legal for deer. I moved to another spot I'd seen days earlier that probably wasn't much better than my first, but it gave me something to do and a new angle to look around with my new scope. After an hour or so of glassing the area, it dawned on me. This spot doesn't have much animal activity at all. No rabbits or owls. The deer that I'd seen were hundreds of yards from where I was. Why was this pocket of land so dead at night but living in the day? I'd set up around 10pm and it was about 2am when I'd started to think about packing up, maybe setting up a target before I left and taking some practice shots. I heard a crunch come from the direction I came from before. I panned my scope over and saw the silhouette of a small bear pushing through the bushes. It's important to note that my scope isn't exactly night vision. It's a thermal scope, kind of like a black and white version of what you see in the Predator movies. I adjusted my range and zoomed in a little. I remember jolting a little when I saw that it wasn't really a bear, it was a man. Because he was so low and hunched over, I thought I was looking at a young bear. Is that a game warden? It couldn't be. I would have seen the headlights coming up the road from where I was perched. And where could he have walked from? I was 30 miles away from anything and on public lands. I was about to call out when I adjusted my sights and noticed he was naked. No shoes, pants or anything. I remember being disturbed by his movements, like a squirrel or something, twitchy and grabbing at the foliage, sniffing around and palming the tree. Was that my tree? The one I'd been leaning against earlier? The thought terrified me. Could he smell me? Then he did something I still have nightmares about today. He squatted and placed his hands in the dirt between his feet and stared straight up like a dog mid-howl. And I heard it, a voice coming from that direction, 
a very compelling female voice. Help! I'm lost! There was a long pause, but neither of us moved a muscle. The centre of my sights were trained at the dirt in front of his feet. I couldn't bring myself to aim directly at another person. It went against everything I'd been taught about firearms. Were they lost? Was this some guy that had gone crazy out there? Why was his voice so feminine? Help! Please! I can't walk! The voice called out. That's when I called bullshit. Not only could he walk when I first saw him, he was traversing the land with ease for a naked person. So good, I mistook him for a bear. That's a fucking trap. This guy is trying to lure me to him with a damsel in distress routine. Luckily, the lack of activity before had caused me to pack up most of my gear. I think I may have left behind a hat and a sitting pad, but I didn't give a shit in that moment. I took my eyes off him for a few seconds to get my pack on. I buckled my chest strap and scrambled for my rifle. To my horror, he was in the same position, but his face was staring in my direction, and I swear I saw a smile. The thermal scope has an effect that makes animals' eyes appear white. How the hell he had heard me get up and put my gear on? He must have easily been 150 yards away. Fuck off! I screamed in that direction. He stood upright, and it hit me how tall and skinny he was, easily six feet, and very lean. He took a couple of long strides in my direction, and I instinctively sent a sound sailing above his head into the tree line. He was freaky as hell, but he hadn't really threatened me. What would I tell the cops? I was unwilling and unready to shoot someone. He stopped dead in his tracks and hunched down on all fours. The next one will fuck you up. Go away! He stayed on all fours and this time I had my sights trained on the centre of him. His eyes were just above the grass like a large cat or something. I was trying to stop my trembling and I knew that my voice had cracked a little on that last warning. I was terrified. That standoff probably only lasted a minute or two, maybe less, but it felt like forever. In an instant, he bolted left towards the tree line opposite the road. So much for not being able to walk. I could barely keep him in my scope, he was moving so fast. He disappeared into the bush and I sent another bullet sailing high in his direction. I racked another round and tried to pocket that mag and swap for a fresh one, but I dropped it and didn't bother looking for it. I wasn't far from my truck and I wanted to get out of there. I could hear him in the distance, yelling in this weird sound that could have been a laugh or a cry. I scrambled up the trail and arrived at my truck breathless. I tossed my gear into the cab but kept the rifle in the passenger seat and sped off. For the longest time I told that story from the perspective of having spotted some deranged crackhead living off the land like some kind of caveman. I reported it to Fish and Game, but all they did was scold me for hunting at night alone. I never received an update. It wasn't until I told this story at a camping trip that my nephew told me about Wendigos, rakes and skinwalkers. My story scared the piss out of him because the spot we were camping was technically the same forest I'd seen the bastard, just 50 miles east of it. He was so spooked his mum, my cousin, had to take him home. She was really pissed. I've gone down the rabbit hole with these scary stories. I'm not saying what I saw definitely was a Wendigo or Skinwalker. I'm saying that if such a thing exists, I may have dodged quite the bullet that night. Or maybe it was just a tweaker being Donny Thornberry in the middle of the night. Either way, 
I thought I'd share what happened that night. I'm a graffiti artist. This has never happened before. Please don't judge me and say I'm a bad person or whatever. Just hear me out. I work on pieces in my city, Birmingham, in the United Kingdom. This happened a few weeks back. It's the east side of the city. There's a canal that runs right through, which is naturally full of tags and graffiti pieces, as it's a pretty quiet spot, but certain parts of it are visible to the public. It isn't easy to get down into the canal, but me and my friend, who's also a graffiti artist, stumbled across a hidden ladder in a rundown car park on the back streets of the east side. We climbed down and realised we could walk the whole length of the canals. The water was pretty high up on this day, so we had to be careful. After about 30 minutes, we painted over old ruined pieces of graffiti, created new tags and just generally had a good time. That's when we noticed the man standing on the other side of the water. At first we were startled, throwing our cans back into my backpack and getting ready to run, as though we were about to get caught. However, the man just stood there. For a long while I stood watching him as he stared lifelessly at us. It was pretty unnerving. The guy had to be about 40 years old with grey hair, but he was standing so abnormally, his legs parted evenly and his arms parted from his body at his sides. He didn't move, he just stared. I looked at my friend and he looked back at me. He looked unnerved. He decided to shout, Hey! at the man and then, You all right, buddy? At first I thought this was a bad idea, but I just let it happen to see the man's reaction. Nothing. He just stood there like a mannequin. We were pretty shaken up, but we just said to walk further along the canal and continue painting. About an hour later, we'd pretty much forgotten about the whole thing. We were down to our last two cans of paint, so I was about to call it a day, when I stepped back to see what we'd created. Just then, I noticed the same man from before, standing in the middle of the dirty canal, just staring lifelessly at us. I was so surprised to see him that I dropped my can into the canal and turned to face Josh. He noticed the man too. The man took the first step we'd seen him take all day, towards us. We dropped the cans and sprinted across the path back to the ladder. We pretty much ran all the way back to the city centre where we caught our breath and tried to figure out what the hell we'd just experienced. I wanted to tell you about the house where I lived in England. My dad was an engineer and worked for BP, so we lived in several countries when I was growing up, but our home base was in San Francisco. When I was eight, we had to move to London, England, and the company rented a house for us in an area called Hampstead. The house was built in the early 1900s and we loved it. It was gorgeous. It had four bedrooms and it was quite spacious, especially for a small family of four, my parents, my younger brother, and I. The first few months went by without any incident, until one day we came back from the movie theater at night and noticed that all the lights in the house were on. The TV in the living room and one of the radios were on too, but nobody was there. All the doors and windows were locked and there was no sign of forced entry. Nonetheless, my dad called the police. They came a few minutes later and inspected the entire house and concluded that whoever did this had to have had a key. 
They told us that it had to be someone we knew, and more than likely, they were just playing a joke on us. Nothing was missing, and everything was exactly the way we had left it before we went to the movies. We didn't really know anyone in London, except for a few of my dad's colleagues, and the only people we had befriended in the neighborhood were a couple of older ladies in their 60s, who were sisters and lived across the street from us, so it was very unlikely that someone we knew was playing a joke on us. A few weeks later, we were sleeping, and in the middle of the night, one of the radios downstairs turned on by itself, and we could hear how someone was, or something, was trying to tune in to different stations. So, my dad got up right away and came into my room to see if it was I that was the one playing with the radio, but when he saw me and realized that I had just woken up, he ran downstairs to inspect the situation. Obviously, nobody was there, so he just turned off the radio and went back to sleep. After that night, we would hear steps in the living room almost every night. It sounded as if there was someone walking around the living room in the dining room area back and forth on the hardwood floor. We would also hear something that sounded like a screeching noise. Sometimes we also heard the sound of dishes being washed in the kitchen or furniture being pushed or dragged around or other odd noises. Months went by and the activity seemed to increase to a point to where things were happening on a daily basis. Very often I would hear heavy steps walking up the stairs and they would stop right outside of my door only to turn around and go back down the stairs. These were almost daily occurrences. One night, my parents invited four of my dad's colleagues and their wives over for dinner. Two of these couples had children about my age, so the adults were sitting at the dining room table having drinks after dinner, and we, the kids, were playing board games on the floor in the living room. For whatever reason, my dad jokingly started talking about the ghosts who lived in our house, and everyone was asking questions about them and having a good laugh. Now, obviously, no one took it seriously, but unexpectedly, a glass vase that we had sitting on a sideboard just flew away sideways about eight feet from where it had been resting, crashing to the ground. At that point, everyone in the room got up and ran out of the house into the street. Many of them didn't even want to come back inside the house to get their coats and purses, so my dad had to do it for them. A couple of weeks later, my mom asked a Presbyterian priest to come into the house to bless it. So he did. After that, things got pretty quiet for about two months until one day my mom, my brother, and I were having dinner. It was a stormy night, so all the windows were shut tight to prevent drafts. Suddenly, the electricity went out as we were finishing our dinner. My mom lit up a couple of candles and gave me one of them. We started making our way up the stairs to the second floor when all of a sudden something blew out our candles and we even heard the sound of the wind the same way you do when someone blows out a candle on a birthday cake. My mom grabbed my hand and dragged me up the stairs as fast as she could while she was carrying my little brother in her arms. We ran into the master bedroom and stayed there until the power came back on a few minutes later. After that, my dad arrived home from work. Two weeks later, his company found us a new house in a different part of town, and we stayed in London for a couple more years until we moved back to San Francisco in 1980. Many years later, in 2004, I got a job as a business consultant working for a British company in New York, and eventually I had to move to London with them for a little over a year. While I was there, I thought about going back to Hampstead. I wanted to see the house where we had lived. It seemed like it was such a long time ago, and sometimes I wondered if everything I remembered actually happened or if it was something we imagined. 
So, one day I drove down there on a Sunday morning. I parked my car right outside and stared at the house for a few minutes. Suddenly a man came out and asked me if I needed something. I got out of my car and told him that I had lived in the house when I was a child and briefly told him my story. I didn't say anything about our paranormal experiences at first. I just told him why we lived there and how long we'd stayed in the house. He asked me if we enjoyed it and if we noticed anything strange about the house while we were there. So, at that point, I knew what he was talking about. So we had about an hour-long conversation about the strange happenings. He invited me in and I accepted, even though I was not too happy about it. I felt really weird being back inside. He told me about his experiences, and later on I had a chance to meet his wife and teenage daughter. They all shared their stories with me. That was the last time I was there and have no intention of going back ever again. Every now and then I dream about the house and relive some of the things that I experienced as a child. Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. This is a totally different experience than just ghosts, angels, demons and all of that. I feel like you'll very much be intrigued and confused if you listen to this story. At first I believed it was because I used a Ouija board and a few days after I noticed the presence a lot more, but no, I have later remembered I did a guided third eye meditation which is no longer on YouTube and I'm glad it's not because if this happened to someone who wasn't as capable with energies as me, I would be very worried. The meditation I did about four and a half years ago was very strange. I remember laying down in my bed and listening to the voice on the video. It asks you to start breathing in a very strange way. You had to almost have a shaking breathing style and listen to audios I've never heard on any other guided or non-guided meditation before and I've participated in endless amounts of them. During the meditation, I felt and envisioned a large black hand with long nails on the left side of my chest. It felt as if I was sitting up in my bed and I could feel the hand push me gently back down to the bed. I didn't want to break the meditative state, and even though my heart began to race, I continued to keep my eyes closed and I followed till the end of the meditation when I could hear the voice giving cues to wake up again. After sitting up, all I could see was a strange purple aura around everything I looked at. After the meditation, I never really noticed the energy again until a few years later when I used the Ouija board. A few days after using the board, I started to feel a very angry masculine presence on the far corner of my garage, the same garage I used the board in. I paid no mind to it really at first due to the fact that ever since I was a child I had been having experiences and feeling energies so at that point I was accustomed to it. The energy started to become more comfortable with my presence and I began to no longer feel that negative energy. I could feel a very heavy energy in my stomach and chest, but it was no longer dark or negative. 
After a few months of feeling the presence every day, it began to really mess me up, more in a childish, yet more powerful way than I'd ever felt any other energy do. This energy I strongly believe is the most powerful I have ever personally encountered and possibly ever will encounter. The entity would always be behind me when I was walking to the garage door to leave. Many times I would go to open the door and it would close itself. I could feel the entity behind me and I started to talk aloud to it from then on. I don't get verbal responses that I can hear or responses sometimes at all. It's more the entity will do something in response to my words or will shift the energy I'm feeling to give a response. The entity definitely likes to use doors the best when it wants my attention, but it has actually touched me like it did during the meditation and another few times as well. I was with my friend at probably around 2am in our small town in the grocery store parking lot on our bikes. We didn't want to drive since it was summer and we were taking in the fresh air. I closed my eyes while standing in the empty parking lot. I was hovering over my bike and my friend was beside me. All of a sudden, I felt those same black hands with sharp nails gently on my lower back. I immediately opened my eyes and looked to my friend who could immediately see something had happened. I asked if she had touched me, to which she said no since she was beside me the whole time. She would start to sometimes feel the entity's energy around me too. One time I was driving probably a couple of weeks after the parking lot incident, and she then saw the hand come beside my face while I was driving. That same summer we went on a trip together with two other people, there was a small pond near the Airbnb we were staying at, and at about 3am we were about to go to the pond, and one of the people we were with yelled, Hail Satan, into the pond forested area. I told my friend after that that the entity was planting the idea in my head, and that we shouldn't go in there. I was feeling super heavy, and as I said that, she had a look in her eyes that I won't forget. She mentioned she could see the dark entity wrapping its arms around my shoulders as if to hold me down to not go in. When we went in the pond area, a light from a utility shed kept flashing on and off a total of three separate times. My friend and I knew we had to pack up our stuff and leave the bench we were sitting on. We left the pond and the next day the two other people on the trip who aren't very spiritually inclined or open to it left for the day and my friend and I went back to the pond, we both had an overwhelming need to for whatever reason. We noticed the bench we were sitting on the night before was a memorial bench, and the two others had disrespected that space, and that is why the entity was trying to get me to leave the pond that first night. Fast forward to after the summer trip around October 2019, I started dating my new boyfriend, and my friend from before was at my boyfriend's house with me, and her boyfriend at the time. We were all sitting at the kitchen table and the door behind us opened by itself. My friend looked to me and said, hey, so I replied, that's not very nice sir, close the door. Needless to say, everyone almost died of shock when the door immediately closed. This is when I started to really know that an entity is very, very real. It will do things in front of people I'm around and not just in front of me. That's what really stuck in my head. Other small experiences included the shower curtain blowing open when I was showering, 
the screen door to my house holding itself open once I had swung it open instead of shutting again. A door near my entryway always opens when I haven't paid much attention to the entity's presence and it wants to remind me. Then I was watching the nun and he mimicked the hands over my face in the coffin scene to mock the Christian demons and movie. This entity I notice has a purple aura which is what made me realise that it attached to me most likely because of the meditation. Anyway, the entity is still always around me to this day. Just yesterday, I got goosebumps and chills over my entire body when I was in a down mood and I could feel the entity directly behind me, not trying to drain my energy, but I was feeling very alone and it was almost like it was trying to comfort me. I have decided that I'm not going to try and cleanse this energy away and I'll let it stay for as long as it feels like it, since I'm not being drained. It's not hurting anyone, and I see no need to detach the entity, as it doesn't want to go, and it isn't doing anything. It's been attached to me fully for up to three years now, and it's a normal part of my daily life. If you made it to the end of my scrambled story, I'm glad I could keep your interest. I'd love to know what you think of this. Well, that's all we have time for this evening, darlings. I hope you've enjoyed these creepy, creepy tales. Remember, if you have a strange but true story you'd like read out on the show, just send it in to deadlydebbie at mail.com. And I'll see you all next time. Ha 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 ha!